I hate that I have to turn off my air conditioning to do this, but that's what it takes to bring you another chapter of the story that still doesn't have a name. So it's been like three months in between recording the first half of this chapter and the second half of this chapter. So, uh, don't mind me. I kind of forgot this project existed for a while. It's fine. I remember eventually, and that's all that matters. just wrapped up a training session he had on his own, renting out one of the practice rooms in the Ilarian castle. His time with the room was up, but he was hanging back late to pack up his equipment, try to reorganize his bag, and maybe regrip some of his training gear. His face was still flushed, and sweat was on his face, his light hair damp and clinging to his forehead. Someone knocked on the door to the practice room and entered, and when Vitaly looked up, he saw Allegra, a short, wide-set woman with always a stern, grumpy face, no matter her mood or attitude. Hey, you here to join one of my training sessions? She said lightheartedly. He raised an eyebrow at her before seeing a handful of children walking into the room behind her and chuckled to himself. (laughs) Um... No, I I think I passed this class. Might stick around to finish cleaning up, though, if you don't mind. Only if you don't mind being put to work, Allegra said, turning her back on him and getting the students into order so they can start their training. Vitaly could remember being a kid taking the exact same class with Allegra. She had been younger, cheerier back then, fewer scars, but the last several years had been hard on all of them. Vitaly thought of their training sessions years ago and remembered sparring and practicing with Oriana and Malvolia and Audric. Vitaly smiled at the memory and the warmth that it brought, but there was also a sadness as he missed his friends and he missed the simpler and more innocent times before everything changed. It had been years since her death, but he still... Miss Oriana still wishes that there was something that he could do, but for the time being, he still carries on the way that she would have wanted him to, looking after the castle and looking after her sister. He was wrapping fresh tape around his practice staff, watching the students as they practiced new forms and new skills, and listening to Allegra in her firm but encouraging way. There's a small group of kids that he could tell were the the top children who thought they were the best and looked down on the other kids. And he remembered his class and the kids that were at the top of his class and shook his head remembering how little things change throughout generations. Everyone wants to think that they're better than those that came before, but no, we're, we're all just, just as susceptible to the same mistakes. In watching the class, he could also pick out the ones who were more shy or insecure about being there, the ones who didn't want to be there, and the ones who were trying so hard but still weren't quite able to get it. 
Allegra was showing them how to practice blocking. Allegra stood in a, a ready stance, her arms up, her feet apart, one foot in front of the other. And she was practicing a couple different ways that someone can block. It wasn't uncommon for Vitaly to sit in on these little training sessions for kids. It was always it was always good to be reminded of the basics, of the foundation that everything is built on top of. Allegra snapped Vitaly out of his musings. Get up, lazy bones, you're on, she said, pointing her head towards the group of kids. We got an odd number. Rosabella needs a partner. They could stare at him in awe when Vitaly gets up. They hadn't really considered his presence before, but now seeing him and realizing that he's going to be partaking in their class, they're dumbfounded. He's well known in and out of the castle for his skill and for how quickly he's moved up the ranks and for his position in the Aetherian Guard. Out of the corner of his eye, he can see some of the kids sneering or scoffing as he goes to partner up with Rosabella. Obviously jealous that she's the one being paired up with him, but Allegra never does anything unintentionally. She knows what she's doing. Vitaly reaches out a hand and introduces himself. Hi, I'm Vitaly. The girl nervously takes his hand and shakes it. I'm, I'm Rosabella. I'm not, I'm not very good at this yet. Um, so so sorry that you're partnered up with me. They shake hands and Vitaly smiles at her. Don't worry, everyone has to start somewhere. I was one of the worst students in my class. I mean, Allegra was my teacher. She could, she could tell you too. The girl gives him a skeptical look. No, you, that's, that can't be true. You, you're like the best Aetherian guard we've ever had. You, (laughs) I'm afraid that part isn't true. But everyone has to start somewhere. And working hard does a lot more for you than starting off good at something. So let's see what you can do. Why don't you start off blocking? I'll I'll throw some punches at you and you block. How's that sound? The girl nods nervously. She's a bit big for her age and obviously very uncomfortable with that and unused to her body and unfamiliar with how to use it. They put their arms up and get in their ready stance. Ready? Vitaly asks, and she nods. He gives her a slow and easy punch, and she quickly puts her arms up and hunches her shoulders forward and and hides, blocking the punch, but not in the safest or most correct way. He can hear some of the other kids quietly scoffing and laughing, and he can tell that she notices, but she steals her gaze and tries to... Ignore it. You have very good reflexes, Vitaly said. You just need to be a little bit more confident. Don't scrunch up. You can be steady and firm and open, too. And if it helps, instead of watching someone and their upper body and where the punch is going to come from, you can look at the ground and watch their feet. Whichever leg is further back is probably going to be the one that they throw a punch with. You're probably going to have the best luck redirecting because while you can take a hit you generally want to take as few as you can he walks her through the motions of redirecting and covering a punch how to recognize it what to do with her feet how to do it so that the next time he tries to throw a punch she's ready he still sees her body tighten up and cower a little bit but she's still able to put her arm on the inside of his punch and throw his arm outward away 
And when he does an unexpected follow-up, she does it again. Her reflex is quick and precise in a way that surprises even her. You can see Allegra watching out of the corner of his eye and nodding approvingly, giving Vitaly a wink, knowing that he would be able to get more out of her than she knew. Though in the back of the room, Vitaly can hear one of the more popular kids speaking under his breath. He's just going easy on her because he feels sorry for her. Vitaly snaps around, directly eyeing the kid who said that. Vitaly congratulates Rosabella, happy with her progress, happy that she seems more confident in herself, and happy that he has the power to do that for someone. When they trained together, Oriana is the one who gave him his confidence and his strength and determination, and now it's his turn to pass that on. But there were some kids who were rolling their eyes in the background at Rosabella's performance and at Vitaly's praise to her. There were kids who were jealous or annoyed, and one of them in the back scoffed. <laughs> he probably feels sorry for her. I could do way better. Vitaly turns, makes eye contact with the kid who said that. You think you can impress me? Vitaly asks very calmly and flatly. The cocky kid squared up, rolled his shoulders a little bit. I mean, I'm the best person in this class right now, so yeah. Some of the other kids nodded in agreement, but Vitaly noticed there was a lot who stayed silent. Okay, show me, show me what you've got, motioning for the, the kid to step forward. The kid kind of scoffed and looked warily over at his friends, but nevertheless stepped forward because who could say no to Vitaly, the Pyxis of the Aterian Guard? When the two of them got in their ready stances already, Vitaly noticed that the kid's stance was too stiff, too narrow, very easy to knock off balance. He jokingly reminded himself that he couldn't just beat up a child, but that didn't mean he couldn't have a little bit of fun. I'm gonna throw a punch and you have to block it, got it? The cocky kid nodded confidently. Vitaly threw an easy punch to get things started, and the kid blocked it, but in his overconfidence, he actually... The kid actually threw a parrying punch back at Vitaly, and boy, this made Vitaly giddy. <laughs> Vitaly grabbed the kid's arm as he swung at him and swept kicked under the kid's legs. The kid lost his balance, fell backwards, and Vitaly, holding his arm, caught him and gently let him down to the ground. You need to work a little bit more on your basics, Vitaly said. Your stance is stiff and narrow. It makes it easier for you to fall. You need to get that right before you can work on anything else. The other students around him stared in awe and shock, and some of them were covering their mouths trying not to laugh at the display Vitaly made of this poor child. All right, that's enough partner work, Allegra said as Vitaly walked out of the, the practicing area back to the, the bench where all of his stuff was. Allegra turned back and smiled at him and gave him a wink, and he nodded all in a day's work. He took his stuff back to his room inside the palace. As a member of the Atiri, he was able to have his own private room inside the castle itself so that he was close by should he ever be needed. He opened his room door with a key card and flung his bag onto the nearby couch. 
he dialed up his sister and continued wandering about his apartment. He pulled up the screen on his wall and, and dialed his sister, still working on doing some chores and picking up around the dorm. When she answered, he could tell she was in her workshop. All kinds of metal and wire and forging equipment surrounding her. There was some ash smeared across her face and it was clearly very warm in the room. But she was as excited as ever about everything going on and about being able to talk to her brother. Hey Vitale, it's been a while, she said excitedly. Vitale waved and asked how, how everything was going, what was new, and of course about her new business that she opened up. I actually made a couple of sales today. I sold those earrings with the, um, like the blue and the gold in them that were like really long. And yeah, you know the ones. And then to someone else, I sold that, okay, the, what I'm going to say, the ugliest necklace, but apparently someone liked it and it's gone and I don't have to look at it anymore. So I am glad about that. And right now I am kind of experimenting with temperature and different kinds of glass and just doing some experiments, seeing whatever I can make, whether it's just going to be all mistakes or, hey, maybe something will work out. But how, hey, how was is, how is your day? What have you been up to as a, a member of the elite Thierry? Vitaly smiled at her. Oh, I just, you know, beat up another kid. The usual. God, you have to stop doing that, she joked. Yeah, maybe one of these days I'll grow out of it. They continued catching up on everything new going on and some of the old things forgotten about. You know, mom and dad ask me about you a lot, Vitaly's sister said. I don't, I don't want to be nosy, but maybe it's been long enough and you can try talking to them again. Vitaly shook his head. I, I don't know. Um, I'll think about it, but. You can just pass along whatever I tell you. I just think that she started to say, but then was interrupted by the opening of Vitaly's dorm room. He turned to see Malvolia, inviting herself in as usual. She saw who was, who he was on a call with and lit up, waving excitedly. Hi, Raisa, Malvolia said. I'm going to try to make time to visit your shop, like, soon. Um, I'm... Definitely gonna commission you for something. I don't know what yet, but we'll talk about it. Marisa nodded. I would love that. That would be amazing. Did you guys have something planned? Raisa asked, uh, eyeing the two of them together. No, Vitaly said. She just comes and goes as she wants. Malvolia shrugged. I mean, I'm the crown princess. I can go wherever I want. Though I hope I wasn't interrupting. Uh, I can... I am a benevolent and graceful princess, so I can come back another time. Raisa shook her head. Nah, that... Don't worry about it. We were pretty much done. Ready to say goodbye? Vitaly nodded, glad to be out of the conversation that they are about to get into. So thanks for calling, V. Uh, have a good rest of your day. Bye. Raisa said before hanging up. Once the call ended, Vitaly turned to Malvolia. So, what brings you here on this? She let out a heavy sigh. <sighs> it's been hard 
Um, Audric's been really busy and distant and has barely spent any time with me and I'm just, it's been really lonely lately and mom's not really doing well and I don't know, I'm pretty sure Cyril hates me and I just, I don't, I don't know, I could use some company. We're coming up on the anniversary, aren't we? Vitaly asked. Yeah, it's um, a couple weeks away and it's hard not to think about. Vitaly nodded, not really sure how to express these large and heavy and unresolved and unresolvable feelings for the person that they both lost, that they both loved. I still can't help but think that if I had gone to Hollow with them, that it wouldn't have happened. But it, I, I don't know. I know it's not true. I know that I probably would have... She trailed off, not really wanting to complete the sentence. You can't keep thinking of all the things that you could have or should have done, because it'll just tear you apart. It happened and it's in the past. I I know, she replied, but it's just the day Ori left, I said some really mean things and I never got to apologize or it's just, I don't know, I don't think about it for most of the year and then this date comes by again and I just think of everything that I should have done better. And it, I, yeah, I can't get away from it. I just miss Ori and I miss dad and mom hasn't been the same since either. And, and you and Audric are like the only ones who are still close to me. <laughs> but he's been really distant. So I guess I came to you. Why don't we go to the rec building and rent one of their courts and we can play melon ball like we used to Vitaly offered Malvolia nodded yeah 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 that would yep that would be good let's let's smash some melons that would make me feel a lot better It was almost time for his guards to change shifts, and Keon was waiting anxiously. He had plans he wanted to do today, and he was excited and did not want to wait anymore, and thank goodness, because there was Naya coming down the hall, about to take her shift. Keon leapt out of his seat and dashed down the hall towards her, maybe in a childish display, but he did not care. The guard who was with him was one of the older ones and just... Tiredly, exhaustedly, got up and followed him. But when Keon got to Naya, he bounded on the balls of his feet. So, I have some plans for us. And it's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be fun for me. I don't know what your interests are. You're my guard. You don't really have much of a choice. Anyway, we're going to go into the city. And I'm going to do some photography. I guess it's really not that fun for you. But too bad. <laughs> Naya was taken aback a bit by his bursts of energy and confrontation. She had not prepared for anything, not prepared for any sort of large activity or going out into the city. 
So she was a bit ruffled, but she nodded. It wasn't really her place to go out against Kian's wishes, and and it wasn't against any codes or regulations that they put on the lead family. Kian had his camera bag strapped over his shoulder, stuffed with lenses and cloths and anything that he might need for a day out taking pictures. He had a meeting that he needed to attend to later in the day, since his parents were making him and Anaya attend more and be more involved with the politics of the country, since one of them would be taking over in some point in their lives. But there should be plenty of time to do both things, and he was excited. It had been a little while since he'd been out to take pictures. The capital city in Hollow was built with dark, shining glass, asymmetric angles, and streaks of bright color. Neon lights and screens dotting the roads and pathways and building sides. The streets were a bit crowded, but no more crowded than usual, and Naya was sure to stay very close to Kion and keep a very close eye on everything. She was a little surprised that Kion wasn't more deterred by the threats in the last year, but time does that to you. You stop being so concerned about the dangers, but she didn't want anything to go wrong on her watch. And she was sure to do her best to not let any trouble come by. Kian was alit with excitement as he bounded around the city, taking pictures, laying on the ground for the perfect angle, or convincing Naya to boost him up into one of the light posts on the side of the street. He had a habit of stopping in some of the most dangerous or precarious places to take the perfect picture, like in the middle of the road, but she was not one to hesitate to give him a shove if they needed to move, and she did, multiple times. But Keon was lighthearted, and he just met her with laughs and agreement, yes, they had wandered in and out of the entire city, Kian capturing the otherworldliness of the reflections in the glass, and the bright lights, and the streaking of the cars and vehicles passing by, the blurs of faces that pass in the streets, and the microcosm of being an individual in such a large and moving city. On the way back, Keon browsed through the pictures he had taken throughout the day, nodding in excitement about some of the ones that were good, and then scoffing and immediately deleting the ones that didn't turn out. So, you grew up in Alaria, right? Keon asked Naya. I haven't been there, but I know it's not anything like Kala. What, what was where you grew up like? Naya raised her eyebrows really taking in her surroundings for the first time, comparing her hometown with the place they were now. Uh, I also came from one of the bigger cities, though it, yeah, it was a lot different from here. Alaria built plants and 
ecosystems into our cities. So it's a lot more green there. Even all the way up on some of the tallest buildings, there were bushes and plants and ivy growing. Everyone there was more focused on making things look natural, even though I guess it was a synthetic kind of natural. Because we had lights that made fake sunshine that looked real. And we had bioengineered the perfect plant to grow on top of skyscrapers. And I don't know. It's just different, I guess. There's definitely a lot more to look at here. Naya said as she watched lights dance across screens around them. Everything in Hala felt more active and animated and moving. Stillness wasn't something that tended to exist there. At least not when you were outside in the city. Kian looked up from his screen at Naya, trying to gauge her feelings and her reaction, but it was as telling as ever, which is to say, not at all. Do you miss living there? Kian asked. And as soon as he asked, he wondered maybe if he should have asked, but Naya shrugged. I mean, sometimes, as much as anyone can miss anything, I guess. And it was her normal sort of vague answer that didn't really tell you much, but also wasn't avoiding the question. As they walked, Keon spotted one of his favorite bakeries. Oh, he stopped Naya. Come on, let's let's grab a scone. I'll buy you a scone. What's your favorite flavor? He asked, dragging her into the bakery. She went in feigning reluctance, but Keon could see a hint of a smile on her face, in some way happy to be dragged along at the whims of Kian. I've always wanted to go to Alaria. Kian started with idle chatter after he placed the order and they were waiting to pick it up. I think, I think my dad and mom are planning to have us visit Alaria soon, so that could be fun. Maybe you could come with. Visit your home again. Well, I guess home country. I don't know what city you lived in, and we probably wouldn't have time to visit it. Um, But, you know, it it could be fun. He looked up and over at Naya and saw her become very stiff and bristled. And he followed her gaze, but it was just to a cluster of people eating at the tables. Blue-haired woman drinking coffee while drawing a bald man reading, a couple telling stories to each other. It didn't seem like there was anything... It didn't seem like there was anything to trigger that response. I, I'm I'm sorry for offering. Maybe you don't want to go back. That's presumptuous of me. I'm sorry. Kian stammered, wanting to make things right, but also not knowing what was wrong. Naya shook her head. No, it's fine. Um, we just, we should, we need to head back. Um, the meeting's gonna be soon, right? We should go back. Kian grabbed their scones, and they made their way out of the shop together, Naya leading a very fast pace back to the palace. They make it back to the palace, and Naya leads them to the meeting room, and when Kian enters, he is among the first there, his mom being the only other person 
who is setting up for the meeting. He gives an awkward wave to her and she smiles back, the scones still in his camera bag, uneaten, untouched. As he's waiting and as the other members and officials scuttle into the room, he keeps replaying his interaction with Naya and wondering what set her off, what made her so uncomfortable, that made her rush back. But nothing seemed odd, nothing... he couldn't think of anything. Naya stood in the back of the room with the other guards, standing watch. He tried to sneak a glance at her a couple times, but she was just staring straight ahead, unmoving and not acknowledging him. As a proper guard should, but that's not the way that Keon trains his guards. All right, that should be everybody. I believe we should be good to start now. Keon's mom said as she closed the door and made her way to the head of the table. Do you want to start, Arim? Keon's mother said to his father, who also sat at the head of the table. The man shook his head. No, no, no. This is your meeting, Sadira. You can go ahead and lead. Okay, thank you. The beginning of the meeting was pretty standard and a lot of recap of what happened in the last meeting, which Kian didn't really care to pay attention to. His sister Anaya sat across from him, and she was just as interested. She sat next to one of her friends from the council, and they shared a lot of knowing looks and silent snickers as their mother talked on. And if she noticed, she didn't say anything, but you could tell there are other people at the table who were noticing and were getting a bit annoyed. Nonetheless, Keon tried to at least appear engaged and interested. But when the next topic came up, he didn't have to pretend anymore. It was announced that the Queen of Alaria has passed away. A lot of heads turned quickly to look at Sadira. This news hasn't been announced to the public yet, it's still being kept quiet. But she had been in ill health for several years since the death of her daughter and husband, and it seems that it's finally gotten the better of her. So I believe that we need to do something both to show her remaining daughter and successor that we mean well and want to support them in spite of our hand in, in her family's tragic and untimely death. Malvolia soon will be coronated as queen and ruler of the country, and while she is young, she still deserves the utmost respect for the losses she has had to endure. Now, the Starlight Festival is coming up pretty soon, and I believe we should invite them to join us in celebration. There were a few murmurings that rose up around the table on this topic and about inviting them to join in the celebration, but Sadira carried on nonetheless. This happens not too long after Malvolia's coronation, and I believe it could be 
a good first step in trying to reforge our connection to our sister country. We haven't had any representatives from their country visit us since two members of their family were killed on our soil in this city. And we need to show our support. And we need to show that we are trying to make amends. Obviously, I believe that this is the best course of action. But as our custom, if any member of our allying houses has concerns or doesn't agree, we can talk about it now. The room bursts into conversation as different nobles and heads of their families try to speak up, asking questions, gathering logistics, and some trying to argue away from having them visit. Kian got lost in his own mind space again, his hands fidgeting, getting a little bit nervous about having the Ilarian royals in their palace. He knew it was a good thing. It's just been a while. He remember the friendship that he had forged when the king and his eldest daughter visited. The discussions about the party plans continued across the table, but when the vote came, it was agreed that the Ilarian royals and company would be invited to Hala for the Starlight Festival. When the meeting concluded, Kian got up from his seat and went to Naya in the back of the room for them to walk out together. But when he got up, she didn't move. Her gaze was far away and distant and downcast, somewhere miles and miles and miles away. And again, he thought to what he could have done wrong when they were hanging out earlier, but still coming up blank. He walked up to her and put a gentle hand on her arm. You okay? He asked, his voice filled with concern. She snapped back into focus and looked at him with a furrowed brow. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Uh, let's... Let's go, my shift is about over. Hold on, hold on, Kian said, uh, reaching into his bag and grabbing the package with the two scones in them. Naya looked surprised, having forgotten that they had gotten scones together. She took hers and smiled softly at Kian. Oh, thank, thank you. You're, you're, thank you. They walked back to his room together and her replacement guard was waiting when they showed up. Kian gave a wave goodbye as Naya switched out shifts, and she gave him a solemn nod back, breaking off a piece of her scone and putting it in her mouth. It was late in the night, or early in the morning, depending on your perspective. At this time of day, most are asleep or sleeping, Everything is closed, doors are locked, lights are out, except for the library. A few dim lights are on in a corner amongst the shelves in one of the reading nooks that were set up for the comfort of the patrons. 
Naya and Selene sat across from each other, but there were no books out that night. Wind blew hard against the walls, and there was creaking and crackling as the walls shifted around them and the building settled. Cool air drifted in from the open window. Selene sat, curled up knees to her chest. Her hands crossed on top of them and her head bowed low. Naya was nearby across from her, feet on the ground, but her arms resting on her knees and her back hunched over. Selene's nails dug into her skin and then released and relaxed, only to do it again. And Naya's, Naya's hands fidgeted, folding and unfolding amongst themselves. They spoke to each other in hushed, quiet tones, very soothing, but barely audible. Like a gust of wind from the open window would carry their words away. It's just some days it feels like there's no purpose or meaning to any of it. Like he just left me all of this and left me alone and I don't know what to do with it. I don't even know if this is what I want to do and it's just I'm just bad at it. No one comes here. No one barely knows that it exists and it's just so lonely here. I just wish that my grandpa was back and that I didn't have to do this alone or that I could leave to do something else or I don't know. I just feel like everything's gone in the past and everything's lost. Do not talk to me about loss. Because I've lost everything. I don't have my family. I can't live in my country. And I'm terrified every time I go out in public. And I saw him again today. After years. After all these years, he's still out there and waiting. And every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminded of everything that I've lost. And it's getting to a point where it seems pointless to have things because they're just something else that I can lose. Yeah, I get it. You lost your grandpa. Cool. I'm sorry. That was... No, you're okay. I. It's hard. It's hard. And you're coming up on the anniversary, aren't you? You've helped me get through so many of my hard nights. I, I can help you get through yours. The wind blew harder, and the voices and the unshed tears were swept away into the night, into the morning, into the darkness. And then, as it always does, morning comes, 
the wind subsides, the sun starts to rise, and warmth comes back into the air. It's midnight. <laughs> Oopsies. When did that happen? Well, hey, thanks for making it through another episode. If you've made it this far, thank you. Um, as always, I want to say thank you to Louis Zong for using his music. Um, I'm putting links to all the albums in the description. Stick around as I record more chapters as I remember and forget that this project exists and then if you want to see drawings um of whatever or related to this story you can follow my instagram um at lk underscore draws i don't post very much because you know hand issues <laughs> but thank you again for joining me on this weird journey as i impromptuly impromptuly improvise a story for you. It's not really improvised. I have an outline. But I'm making things up as I go along. That's what storytelling is. Anyway, thank you. Until next time. Bye.